0: In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. Um, Please be seated. So, um, I've been at the beach for about 15 days, and you come back, you know, and your house is kind of full of camping equipment. Gradually, as you put all that away again, for another year, it's part of your re-entry process uh, into into life, and then another part of it for me is at a certain point in the week um, after. let so say something after I've cleared out a whole bunch of meeting requests uh, into my calendar that had started to arrive for this year. You go to the roster of the lectionary and you look at the scriptures that you are going to preach on. Uh, for your first Sunday back. And so when I saw that this was the Gospel, my first, um, this Luke 4 reading, my first response was, it must be a mistake. So I went and checked. No, the reading, the Gospel reading, set down for this, the third Sunday after Epiphany, is this reading from Luke 4? And at first sight I'm going, well, what is, um, how come that can be an Epiphany reading? It right? doesn't fit within the chronology of Christ's early life that Epiphany focuses on, right? I mean, like next week we're back in the temple with little Jesus being presented, right? So why is this reading a reading that recounts Jesus's rejection in a synagogue in Nazareth as an adult, you know, in his public ministry? How does that get to be? Are reading an Epiphany. Well, the season of Epiphany is all about exploring who Jesus is. And while the Gospel narratives are grounded in the experience of the early Christian communities, who also knew who Jesus was, the writers of the Gospels are also consumed. With revealing Jesus to readers who do not know, to readers who have never heard. And actually, Luke, in, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, it is very clear what its function is. Luke 1 1. Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses servants of the word, I too decided after investigating everything carefully from the very first to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. So that's the purpose, that we might know, that it might be revealed to us in the gospel, in this narrative that the Lucan writers have put together. But for us, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to read the signs and wonders of Jesus' birth and to read of the confirming testimonies of the events of his childhood as part of some gradual, intentional, orderly revelation of Jesus' true identity and mission as the narrative is so carefully crafted to be. And it's hard for us because we know who Jesus is. We know where the story goes. We know about Easter and Ascension and Pentecost. Now in Luke Jesus is primarily portrayed as a faithful prophet of God's compassion who brings about the salvation of all people so look that universal salvation is a big deal and it's actually prefigured in this gospel in the preaching of John John the Baptist and you remember I think it was Advent 3 or 4 there was that reading about John um, telling off the people calling them the offspring the brood of vipers and saying to them no the gospel of salvation, the gospel of re- the, the repent- message of repentance that I bring, I'm bringing it, and you can't keep collecting more tax than you're supposed to. And to be part of this this new thing, you can't, soldiers, be extorting money off people through threats of violence. And to be part of this new thing that is coming, you can't. Ignore the plight of those who have nothing while you hold back the surplus for yourself. Okay? So, this is before the events of this gospel reading. And then, even in Mary's exchange with Elizabeth, as she talks about what God is doing in this moment, she talks about God and she says, He has shown the strength with His arm, He has scattered the proud. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. So already in Luke's Gospel, before we get to this reading, this message is being perfect. Now, this story, Jesus' rejection um, at his hometown synagogue, is also included in Mark's Gospel, which both Luke and Matthew's Gospel draws upon. Okay? So scholars generally believe that's the first one, and you can see it, and it's the first one, the first earliest gospel, because both Luke and Mark have the same Mark and events. Uh, sorry, Luke and Matthew but have the same Mark and events in them. So they've obviously gone to it and put it in there. But it's interesting, because in Mark's Gospel, the story of Jesus' rejection in Nazareth is much later in the story. Jesus is already well into his public ministry. He's already got a huge following from healing the sick and the possessed and from challenging the religious authorities of the day. But the writer of Luke moves this story out of Martin and brings it right to the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Luke 4, the chapter that this is in, begins with Jesus' 40 days of one on one temptation with the devil in the wilderness immediately following his baptism. And then immediately, then immediately, when our gospel begins, Jesus, this is immediately Jesus, is leaving the desert after the temptation. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returns to Galilee, and report about him spread through all the surrounding country, and he began to teach in his synagogues, and was praised by everyone, and then he comes to Nazareth. There's no detail about that, of of any other events that the writer of Luke chooses to share with us. He takes him from his temptation, and his anointing this is my son, which I'm well pleased, and first public event that the gospel writer wants us to see is this moment in the synagogue. And he goes to synagogue. He stands up to read. He's given the gospel of Isaiah. I mean, the scroll of Isaiah. He unwinds it. Delivers the message. And at the end of it, everyone's silent and they watch him. And he says, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. And the reading that we have recorded in Luke's account blends Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, and Isaiah 58, verses 6, 6, 7. Now, Isaiah 61, these would be well known because they're great um, they're prophecies of hope. Isaiah 61 promises that God will deliver and restore the people of Israel. And Isaiah 58 calls for justice for all God's people. So this, the writer or writers of Luke who are putting together this orderly account so that we the readers might know the truth, they want us at the beginning of the story to see the intent of Jesus' prophetic purpose. Right at the beginning so that as the rest of the story carefully unfolds is who Jesus is and what he's come to do and, and as that gradually is revealed chapter by chapter, incident by incident, they want us to know at the beginning and see it in the context of this moment. In the Gospel of Luke in the synagogue at Nazareth, Jesus Declares, it's like his manifesto. It's like the press. It's the launch of the campaign. He declares that by the power of the Spirit, he will restore Israel, and that that restored kingdom will be characterized by justice and compassion for the poor, because that is what God has sent him to do. Beginning Jesus's public ministry in this account, and as the way the Lucan writers do, beginning it with this declaration, it sets the context for all that they're going to show us from now to the end of Book of Acts, right? Because Luke and Acts are a split book. Right? Everything, all the signs and wonders that are revealed carefully, step by step by step, in this narrative point to God's coming kingdom. And in that kingdom, the oppressed will be set free. The season of Epiphany is all about exploring for ourselves again who Jesus is. Coincidentally, so are the Gospels. And the writer of Luke's Gospel in today's reading At the beginning of the story of Jesus' public ministry lays out for the reader the foundation for their understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. You know, the kind of questions we ask of ourselves, the church asks of us in Epiphany are things like, who was Jesus? What was Jesus about? What difference does this Jesus make in my life? Those have always been the questions that the church has asked. And the writer of Luke found an answer to those questions in what Jesus said at the synagogue in Nazareth. And so moves it to the beginning. And the answer to those questions for this writer lay in Jesus' choice of reading. And I'll expand it a little I'll add in a little bit more of Isaiah just for emphasis. This is like the Amplified Bible. Okay? Isaiah 61, Jesus unrolls the scroll and found, finds the place and begins to read. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the suffering and afflicted. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to announce liberty to the captives and to open the eyes of the blind. Another role. We're in Isaiah 58. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked, to cover them and to not hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer your cry for help and he will say, here I am. He rolls up the scroll and he sits down and all the synagogue looks at him. scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing